0: Thank you, Pastor, for that introduction. Uh, Open your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 12. As we begin the year, I always like to establish goals in my life, and uh, I know most people do. I'm going to lose weight this year, (laughs) I'm going to fix that attic. I am going to accomplish that goal that I haven't accomplished. And if you don't have a goal, ask your wife. She has a few for you. (laughs) But as I come to the Word of God, I find uh, this story, and it challenges me often. I see, as we read earlier, the story of, of Jesus teaching. He's teaching about trusting God. He's teaching on uh, not fearing what this world may bring and and the vanity of this world, how it consumes us and to put our trust in him. And in the middle of this message, Jesus is interrupted by this man who says, God, Jesus, could you please uh, rule between me or judge between me and my brother who has received an inheritance and doesn't want to share it? He's totally missing the point of what God is trying to share with him, what Jesus was sharing at that moment in time. And he gives him this parable. He he illustrates, he says, be careful of what you're desiring. Be careful what you're seeking after. Uh, and, And he explains it through a parable, as Jesus often did. And he told about a man who had a lot of riches, to the point that he said, I don't know where to store my grain anymore. I will, I'm going to tear down my barns and all my granary, and, and I'm going to build them greater and bigger, and, and I'll store everything, and I'll tell my soul, oh, enjoy your life, rest. Isn't that our desire? Man, what can I do to fix everything so that I can just sit back and enjoy my life and Relax. That's ideal for most of us. Most of us, if, if we're honest, we're, we're seeking that kind of plan, of retirement plan, where we can say to ourselves, relax, chill. You have no more worries. Everything's under control. You can enjoy the rest of your life without worrying. Uh, I, I love how God has a way of pulling our rug off from underneath our feet when we, when we think we're finally standing strong. And he says, be careful of what you're seeking after. But I, I love the phrase that he uses at the end, Luke uh, chapter 12, at, at the end, it says, But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And he says this, or he makes a statement, so is the man, the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not Rich towards God. Rich towards God. And as I think about that this year, I say, Lord, I would like my life more than any other investment to be rich towards you. That I would lay up my treasures in heaven and not on things on this world. And I hope that is your desire as well. And as I I, I think about those things, I ask myself, what... What things does God value? What, what are things that God even would reward in our lives? Hmm. And I have a few verses that I want to share. The time is short, so uh, I, I ask you to bear with me. I'll, I'll, I'll say some verses and I'll start reading them and you can catch up a little later. I, I know some of them will be uh, probably up in the screen, so you can read them there. But the first one I want to share with you starts in, in the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1 gives us one of these things that God says that he values and, and that he sees as important. In James chapter 1, in verse 12, is a verse that maybe some of you have memorized. I, I know I did when I was a child. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I have to ask you a question today. Do you love God? Do you love God? I I work a lot in Venezuela with with couples. And a a lot of it is done with marriages and counseling. And uh, I've really enjoyed that part of ministry throughout the years and have seen that bring a lot of growth to the church and stability to our church. And I'm thankful to God for the opportunity to be involved in this ministry. But uh, one of the things that God tells us to do is to love one another. And that's not as easy uh, practiced in the day-to-day lives when, when we get in each other's nerves and we irritate each other as husband and wives and, and all these bickering happen, happening and different opinions happening and, and we grow apart often. But God calls us to love and love, love isn't something that happens on its own. It's a decision we make daily. And, and the same truth applies to God. God asks of us to love him and stay by his word and to be steadfast in what he has asked us to do. And so many times God has asked us to do things that don't make sense to us. And that are sometimes difficult. But God here calls us to be steadfast. As no a matter, if you, if you want to jump back a little bit more on St. James chapter 1. I know I put, didn't put this on the outline. But James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives graciously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God wants to mold us, and he's given us his word for us to follow. The Bible says if you love me, I know you're a Bible church. Come on, you know this. If you love me, keep keep my commandments. What's God's love language? I teach on love languages often, and my wife love language is service. Isn't that great? Yeah, I'd love to just walk up with a, 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 some roses and say I love you, honey, and she'd be like, <gasps> but no, she's like, dishes are dirty, honey. one of us has a love language and we understand love or feel loved by a specific love language and the Bible tells us what God's love language is. He says, you have my word, follow it. That's the way I know you love me. That, that's, that's the way you communicate love to God by following his word. And God says, I want to reward you for loving me, loving my word and staying firm. I uh, was talking with Brother Savali this morning, and uh, we were thinking back at, at, at those heroes that David had, the brave men that fought beside him, uh, Second Samuel, we'll talk about him, First Chronicles, we'll talk about him, how they how they defended and stood fast, and there was one story, of one of these heroes, uh, Shem, I believe was his name, and, and he had a sword in his hand, and he stood before a plot of, of lentil beans, a, a, a land, or just some lentils. And and David said, guard this land, don't don't let the Philistines take it. They were invading the land. And he stood there and fought and fought and fought and fought until the sword couldn't, he probably couldn't even open his hands. Have you ever worked so hard that it's hard to open your hands? And, and, And I think about how so many times it's easy to give up when things get hard. But here the word of God says, blessed is the man that remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Have you, have you decided this year, Lord, I'm going to love you and I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to follow you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. The Spanish word there leans more to waiting. <laughs> I'm taking too much time on this. This is probably more than half of my message already. But the Spanish word uh, paints a picture of waiting, and, and here in English, waiting uh, has this idea of just, what are you doing? I'm sure. I'm waiting, doing nothing, waiting. But the the biblical word is more of an active word, uh, that 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 activity of of service of of of, be, of doing something. Like a waiter at a restaurant will be actively standing and ready to 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 act as soon as he's given a command. Sir, could you bring some water? sir? Could you? And, and he's going to act, but he's, he's not going to act before or after. He's, he's going to act when he's told. And as Christians, we're told to follow God and to wait on him and to, to keep an eye on his word and, and stay, stay where he's told us to stay. Have you given up on what God has asked you to do? Have you said last year, you know what, I can't do it. And this year, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Or are you going to say, Lord, I'm here. If you've given me this job to do, I'm, I'm going to stick to it. I'm, I'm going to plow through. I don't understand everything about it, but, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And when you change, tell me to change, I'll change. And when you tell me to continue, I'll continue. But, Lord, I, I want to be steadfast this year. God wants to reward those who are steadfast. Jump with me to 1 Corinthians 9, Verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 says, Do you you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. This is like a runner's crown that they did at the Olympics. But we... And imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is an interesting thing because this is the second time that we see uh, the, the mentioning of a crown type reward that we will receive an unperishable crown that we will receive for. For what? For finishing what we began. Yeah? And I think it's interesting that God is not just interested in how we begin our life. God is the God of the beginning, of the middle, and of the end. And and I have so many Christians that I know and, 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 and have spoken with them, and they tell me of how they used to serve the Lord. Oh, I enjoyed doing that so many years ago. And I go, amen, what are you doing now for the Lord? Right now, what are you involved in? Uh no, but... So, so they're like floating in a cloud of the past of what the past victories were, but currently, currently they've given up. They've stopped. Here, I love how, how the Bible rewards those that, that run with the right attitude. It starts saying, in a race, your Mark, gets set, go. Everybody's running. Everybody's running the race. And in the Christian race... The Bible doesn't really talk about winning, but it does talk about having a winning attitude when you run. They're like, ah, I'll get there eventually. That's a terrible attitude for a race. The attitude for a race is I want to be, be the winner. How are you running your race? How are you running the, the time? And, and I believe time is important here because a race is, is, is in time. Who does the shortest amount of time? Who runs the furthest distance in the shortest amount of time? And God has given us on this earth and our life just a very little time. With your family, with your wife, with your children, you have but a short amount of time. And through this life... Time is fleeting and we do not get it back. And some of us are just dragging our feet in our Christian life knowing that we could be doing so much more. We're like, I'll I'll get there eventually. I'll run tomorrow. The attitude for which we run, how we run is important to the Lord. And how we use our time, I think of the, the Olympics often. I think of these gymnastic people. I, I know my figure obviously makes you clearly see what I'm talking about. And uh, these, these tall girls get up on these high beams and balance themselves and do this amazing uh, uh, acts and stuff and so forth. But uh, can you imagine somebody crawling up on one of these high beams? Just laying down on that beam and just balancing themselves. And after the buzzer time gets done, gets down and Ta-da! It's like, what, four years of training and that's what you're going to do? I I mean, this was it. This was your moment in history. You were supposed to shine and that's what you're going to do? Just survive? It's up high? I don't want to fall? So many Christians have been given so much. And God wants you to run with the attitude to win. Because these are the things that God rewards in heaven. This is the thing that God is saying, hey... I gave you this opportunity. I gave you this time in history. I've planted you right here, right now for a time such as this. Shine, serve. Run with everything you have for the Lord. The time of rest will come. But this time is time to run. How are you running your race? What is the attitude that you're running with, church? Jump to me with, quickly to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse one, First First Peter chapter five, verse one says, "So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder." and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to come, that's going to be revealed, sorry. And here comes the commandment, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. (laughs) Shepherd the flock. I love this command. I have found much value in trying to train the church and teach the church the importance of discipleship. Uh, God has called us all to pastor someone else. And so many times we read texts like this and go, that's for pastor and for the pastoral staff and the leaders in the church. That's not for me. But he's called every Christian to be a mentor to someone else, to be an example to someone else, And the way the, the Bible handles this, the Word of God handles this, is I don't want you to do it by obligation. That makes the work at church so much easier, doesn't it? If I could tell you what to do, which a lot of churches try to do these things, that would be a lot easier. You have to be here or you're going to hell. There will be consequences. That would be a lot easier to, to drive fear into your heart, to try to manipulate you. But no, our job... As Christians, is not to lead as if I had authority over you. Not to lead uh, by, with a bad attitude, but to, to care for, something, for somebody and to give them an example worthy of following. That, that you may stand up in front of somebody else and say, I want you to try to imitate me. Paul stood up and said that. He says, imitate me because I know I'm trying to imitate God. How many have you walked up to somebody and say, you, you, you try to be like me and you'll be all right. Usually we try to do this fake humility and go, no, 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 don't look at me. No, no. I'm humble and meek. No, no. We're afraid that if people start looking at our lives, they're going to see all the bad that's in us. And that's true. We are sinners. But we're called to be like Christ. We're, we're called to shine the light of Christ in our lives. That people should look at us and see him in our lives. And that's done. By investing our life in someone else, by discipling someone else. And I always challenge people. I said, if you ever have a new year resolution, a great one would be Lord, give me someone that I can invest my life in this year. Put put a name on my heart of someone that I can bring to church, somebody that I can encourage as he's growing. Someone that I can help through. Maybe you're, you're a couple and you're saying, God, give us, give us a couple that we can invest in as a marriage. Invest our marriage in someone else. Help them through their struggles. If you're a teenager, if, if you're a young person, and you're saying, Lord, I would like to bring my friend to church. I would like to be his friend. I'd like to be a helper to him. An example I'd, have, I'd like to study the word with them. I would like to call them up during the week and say, hey, let's pray together. Let's, hey, did, did you understand what pastor was saying on Sunday? Did you get the small group study? Hey, have you gone through it? Have you done this? Oh, do you remember somebody doing that in your life? How many of us are here today because someone else said, hey, I'm going to invest some time in your life. Because this is the way God wanted, it, wanted us to do this. He wanted us to be an example to shepherd the flock of the Lord. And so many times we, 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 we I'm too busy, I, somebody else can do this. But God's pulling on your heart today. And he says, I want you to start doing this yourself. You know what pastoring somebody else will do? Shepherding somebody else will do? It'll bring you the most growth in your own spiritual life. Because when they start asking you questions that you don't know how to answer... You're going to start studying. You're going to start growing. And you're going to start seeing. I know there's a lot of moms and dads here today. Nothing has made me grow spiritually more than raising children. Than them looking at my life and seeing me behave and saying, that's not very Christ-like, Dad. (laughs) That's not what the Bible shows. And it's a process of discipleship in our family. Investing our life And our wives and our kids, that's a beautiful thing. But God wants to reward those who do it well. An unfading crown of glory for those who give an example. There's a a philosopher once uh, said, I'm sorry I didn't write down who it was. But he said a thought, a thought produces an action. An action produces a habit. A habit forms character, and character will define your destiny. And it's amazing the power of influence you can have over somebody just by putting an idea in their mind. Something from God placed in someone's heart. Most people in church are believing lies that Satan has sold to them and they have bought into that lie and are living slaves to lies that will destroy their life. But one truth from the word of God planted in their hearts can transform that person's life. And God is asking, he's wanting to use your life to be that example, to be that person to help change. And you're like, how can I make change? This is how. The word of God has power to change and if you're willing to grab that word daily and invest it in someone else, have you, have you asked God this year, Lord, give me one person? Maybe this year you're saying, Lord, I, I want to I do mission work. I want to reach so many. Amen. Start with one. Start with one. Don't start with a hundred. Don't start with a thousand. Start with one. Say, Lord, help me to reach my neighbor. I can't stand my neighbor, but Lord, help me to love him. And reach him, but start praying, Lord, I want to be one of those who shepherds the flock of God. Second Timothy, sorry, Second Thessalonians, chapter two. Now, this is not from this is not written from God's perspective this one's written from Paul's perspective 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19 says for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming is it not you for you are our glory And joy. In uh, in Spanish, it uses the word, you crown my life with joy. You are my crown and joy. Who's Paul saying this to the church in Thessalonica? Thessalonica. Pronouncing that right in English. And uh, I remember reading this. (laughs) And when I read it, my mind goes to a picture I took uh, I believe it was for for faith and we we made a short little video so this is probably a good 16 years ago and I was standing there with a white shirt and tie and uh, I say hi faith baptist church god bless you thank you for helping us out I, I, y'all had sent an offering for for something at church and everybody says hey faith baptist church. And we took a picture. and it was one of the first ministry pictures that I had ever taken of the whole congregation together. It's all standing up, looking forward. I have it right here on my iPad. I forgot to send it ahead of time. I would have liked you to see it. But I always go back in my mind to that picture because so many times through my life, I've gone back to that picture and I looked at each one of those faces and I can tell you the story of each one of these people. I can tell you where they were and what they were doing and how God brought them out of sin into salvation and the privilege it has been to be part of that journey in their lives. I remember walking up to Andy's house. Andy had an accident and he broke his leg. And for many years as a teenager, young teenager, he was in a hospital held up in Venezuela, very bad quality hospitals. And in this hospital... Five hours away from his home where none of his family could stay with him. He had a family, uh, an aunt, that would come and visit him from an hour away uh, distance every once in a while to bring him food. But he was hospitalized and this hospital was providing food and everything for him. He tells me nightmares of stories of how he was a doctor tried to abuse him. A whole bunch of just horror stories. Finally, at one point of his life, still in a wheelchair, not being able to walk, he went to this uh, charismatic church, and they were, they were uh, speaking in tongues and doing all these miracles, and they told him, walk, and, and you will be saved. And he walked that day, and he said, I'm saved. And for many years, he was involved in the church, led music at the church. And I remember it was, it was a Saturday, it was, it was a Valentine's Day, actually, and I was out with one of the teenagers of the church and knocked on his house and said, hey, I'd like to invite you for church tomorrow. And uh, he says, yeah, I'm a Christian. I've heard about your church. He was right across the, the church, so he'd seen us already. And I remember sharing with him the gospel, and he kept trying to say, yeah, yeah, I'm saved already. I've been healed. I've been healed, and God, God saved me. And I kept going back to his condition as a sinner and, and his need of, of, of a savior and when he finally understood it, I said, If you were if you were to die today, are you sure that you're saved, that God has forgiven you? Have you asked God to be your Lord and Savior? And I remember seeing his face being shaken by this question, never been asked that before. And finally that day he he got on his knees and we we, we prayed together and he invited God to to into his heart, into his life, and then eventually his wife got saved, and then his daughters got saved. and then he became the music leader at our church and played the piano for a while and just see him, see him grow. And recently I was sent a picture and he was at the pulpit preaching and I just started crying. I remember seeing where he was and what God has done and I will stand before the throne of God one day. Crowned with joy in my heart. I said, thank you Lord because I was able to invest my life in this person. I remember as a teenager so many times I would think of the day I would stand before God's throne and be afraid, to be be embarrassed that I know God had given me so many opportunities that I had not used to share God's word. I often ask people this. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? The good news of salvation. When was the last time you had the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ and watch God save that soul? Are you involved in the kingdom of God in making treasures up in heaven and the things that God values? Closing now, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Oh, what a declaration. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I think, of, I think about how it must have been for the people to have walked with Jesus and that promise that he gave that he would come again. And in my life, I want to join the many uh, characters of the Bible who lived their life as if God was going to come and return for them during their lifetime. I love that attitude in their hearts. And I know that in my heart, so many times when I, when I thought about the Lord's coming, I thought about, Lord, if, if you decide to come back, wait a little bit, let me get married first. Did you, did you ever pray anything like that? Just me? Okay, all right. Then, then I got married and it was like, Lord... I'd really like to know what it's like to have children. Ah, joy of holding your child. Lord, Once the children were, were there, I was like, Lord, you can take me any time. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, Natalie, I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's always, there's always, uh... let, let me finish this, Lord. Or uh, let me get this done. Is there something that God has put on your heart that you need to get done? That if, if you had God were to whisper in your, in your ear, okay, I'm coming back then. You'd be like, I have to get this done before he comes back. What are you waiting for? Is it to, to ask somebody forgiveness for something? What are you waiting for? Is, is, it, is it to go help somebody? Is it to preach to someone? Is it something God has put on your heart to go do? And you're saying, I will eventually, what are you waiting for? Oh, if, if, if we had an attitude, Lord, I, I, I'm waiting for the day that I get to see you. That would change the way we live every day. That would change every day of my life and the attitude in which I, I live and walk. Because like I said before, God is not just interested in how you started, but how you end your race. That you end well. And that you run with the right attitude. And that your life was invested in those things that he valued. And I close with this statement that God asked everybody that was listening to the parable. When this young man asked for help with the inheritance, he said, this is the kind of life that people live when they're living and building their life for themselves. They're fools. But it's not rich towards God. I, I ask that you desire today to invest your life in those things that have value in eternity. And not something that will wither away. That your life, your life will have an eternal impact for the kingdom of God. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word and the opportunity to study together. Lord, it is always challenging to me to go to your word and see what you have to say and how you, you see us. And so many times our minds and our hearts drift away from what you have asked us to do, asked us to say, asked us to be involved in, asked us to love. And we've loved so many other things, but not what you've asked us to love. Lord, that today we can focus and plan for, for the future, Lord, that we would have a clear vision of where we want to go and that that investment wouldn't be to build our own kingdom, but to, to announce and to extend your kingdom, because that's what we were placed on earth to do, to love you, Lord. To follow your word steadfastly. To be a testimony. A visible testimony. Of what you can do in a life surrendered to you. And that people will see our lives. And through our example, not just our speaking or preaching. But by our life and example. They'll be drawn to you. Lord, I pray that we could establish goals. Today, for this year, for prayer, for devotionals, for evangelizing, for discipling others, for investing my life in those things that have a value in eternity. And Lord, that this year won't just be financially planning, strategically planning for this world building my own kingdom, but that we would focus on you, Lord.